Before you get too deeply engrossed in that, though, I want to uh, have you think about something um, with me, okay? So don't, don't get started on your paper yet, guys. Okay, I want you to think with me about something. I want you to think back in time. Can we think backwards in time? Can we make our minds go that way? Do you guys think we can do that? Okay, think back in time. Can you remember what yesterday was like? Can you remember what you did yesterday? Anything you did? Okay. What about last week? Do you remember what, what life was like last week? Yeah. Okay. Okay, you were at school last week. Okay. You were there. That's good. Okay. How about last year? How old were you last year? Lydia, how old were you last year? Grace? Michael? Seven. Great. <laughs> 20. So we got a 20 back there. Do I hear 21? 19? 29? Anybody holding there? I don't know what it um, Okay. okay. Um, sometime before last Christmas. Can you remember anything about that? Anything that happened before last Christmas? Anything at all? It's hard to think about that. What about five years back? Probably the kids probably have a hard time remembering five years ago. Can we go even further back than that, though? Can we go back before we had cell phones? Can we think? <laughs> I didn't say, could you remember back that far? I want you to think back. Okay? I want you to think back. Okay? We're thinking backwards in time. Back before we had cell phones. Back before... The first man walked on the moon. Think back before the Civil War and Abraham Lincoln. Back before George Washington and the American Revolution. Think back before Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Think back before there were knights in shining armor. Keep going backwards in time. Think back before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Before Daniel was thrown into a den of lions. Think back with me, all the way back, before the day that God made Adam and Eve. And then I want you to think, okay, so are we all there? The day that God made Adam and Eve, now I want you to go back a few days before that. Back before the day that God said, let there be light. The day just before that one. Can you think back to that one? Just before... God said, let there be light. Let's go to the day right before that one. Can you do that with me? You there with me? Just the day before, God said, let there be light. In your mind, I want you to imagine with me. Think about your, you there at that point in time. What do you see around you? What? Nothing. That's right. Nothing. There's nothing there. Because nothing has been made yet, right? So there's nothing. You're there. We're all there together the day before the first day. And there's nothing. Kind of hard to imagine. Nothing, right? Hard for us to picture it. Well, that's the time that I want us to think about this morning. And so, uh, boys and girls, and not just boys and girls, but the adults, I want you to think about that. I want you to keep in mind, that is the focus right now, this morning. That is where we put ourselves. Okay? The day before, 
There was anything. We look around and there's nothing. There's nothing to see. We're going to read two verses that talk about what, or who, there was before there was anything anywhere. So, so kids, I want you to think about this. We're going to read these verses, so don't get started on your paper yet. I'll tell you when you get started on that. Okay, just hold on a minute. Right? We're still thinking about that day before there was anything. Right? And there's nothing. And we're thinking about that day. And we want to know who or what was there when there was nothing. Have I confused anybody yet? What was there when there was nothing? Well, that's what the Bible talks about. So I want you to, to, to help me with this. We're going to read John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Okay? And so that's where you can turn your Bibles. If you've got your Bibles this morning, John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. That's where we're going to be this morning uh, pretty much for the entire time. Now, so I want some help with this. And I know you guys have helped me before, so uh, I'm going to ask you guys to do some reading for me. All right? And you guys do a really good job with that. So John 1, 1 and 2, okay? So uh, let's see. Who wants to start first? Everybody want to volunteer to read first? Okay, Nikita and then Chloe. Okay? So Nikita, you read the first slide, and then Chloe, you can read the second one, okay? Okay, these are the first two verses. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. These are very important verses. Okay, These two verses are very important. And they're two verses that people argue about. In fact, these two verses may be this, the most argued about verses in all of the Bible. These two verses right here. And you're going to see why in just a few minutes. Now you can, you can color your papers. You'll notice in the paper, though, there is a little bit of an outline there. You've got three little clouds to fill in. And if you, if you follow along, I'll have those notes for you. And you can fill those out. Remember, at the end of the service, you bring me that filled out. And I'll have a little bit of, a, a little bit of something for you. Okay, I think I've got some Skittles in my office I can probably give you. We'll see. Uh, some sort of candy to rot your teeth and get you hyperactive before we send you back home. So the, the question that we want to look at is, who is Jesus really? Who is Jesus? Really? That's the, the series that we're beginning today. And we're going to be looking at this question uh, throughout the entire summer here at Emmanuel Baptist Church. Who is Jesus really? I should put that slide back up there so you can see it. Okay? Who is Jesus? Oops, there we go. Who is Jesus really? That's the question that we need to answer. That's the question that we need to answer this morning. Who is Jesus really? And there's a lot of confusion about that term. There's a lot of people that have different ideas about that term. But over the next several months here, uh, we are going to be working to answer that question. And we're right here in the Gospel of John. And that's where we're going to be for this entire series in the Gospel of John. Because in John, when John wrote his Gospel, he wrote his Gospel to tell us who Jesus really is. And what that should mean for us. The first answer to the question, who is Jesus really, is Jesus is the Word of God. Jesus is the Word of God. Can you uh, say that with me? I say, who is Jesus really? And you say, Jesus is the Word of God. Who is Jesus really? Jesus is the Word of God. 
Let's try it again. Kids, you've got to follow along here too, okay? You need to show the adults how to do this. They don't know how this works, okay? They don't understand this whole repeating thing, right? Who is Jesus really? All right. I might ask you that again here throughout the message, and you better be ready to answer that question, okay? Really important. Jesus is the Word of God. Now, I want to look at these first two verses of the Gospel of John because there are some things that they teach us here. Three things. That, the, that this truth teaches us about who Jesus is. Okay? In fact, there, there's a simple structure, and, and really, this is, this is all found in verse 1, and then verse 2 kind of repeats it for us. But there are three phrases in John chapter 1, verse 1. Right? So this is a real simple breakdown. Uh, this may be the only time that you get for me like three points in a poem. I don't think I have a poem, but like a real kind of formal, tr- traditional format of a message here, okay? Uh, John 1, 1. There are three phrases, and each phrase of the verse gives us one truth about the Word. Okay? And then the second verse kind of repeats it for emphasis. So what is the first phrase of John 1, 1? What's the first phrase of John 1, 1? In the beginning was the Word. Okay? In the beginning was the Word. And what does that tell us about the Word? Well, here's what it tells us about the Word. These are not, these are not worded like the most grammatically correctly, and that's kind of on purpose. I'll try to explain it as we go. This is point number one. The first thing we learn about the Word is that the Word was before anything else came to be. The Word was... You say, well, the word was what? The word what? Before anything else came to be. That's what John is saying with that opening phrase. In the beginning was the word. The word was. We go to the beginning. We go to that time. Remember I said to think back with me to the day before God said, let there be light. Right? So we go back in time. We go back in time. We go to the day God said, let there be light. And we said one day day earlier than that. And there's nothing. Because nothing's been made yet. Nothing is. Nothing came to be. There isn't anything. And what do we find there? We don't actually find nothing. We find the Word. Because in the beginning, before there was a beginning, the Word was. That's what John is saying. Okay? We go back to that day. Before God said, let there be light, and we will find that the Word was already there. Jesus already existed in the beginning before anything else began to be. Now that is a little bit hard for us to understand. How is it possible? If, if we go back to the time when there was nothing yet, how could there be the Word? But that's true. It may be difficult to understand. But it's true. In the beginning was the Word. Before anything else was, before anything else came to be, the Word already was. Jesus already was. Back when there was nothing, there was no earth, there was no sky, no plants, no animals, no man. There was the Word. We can't ever find a moment in time where He did not exist. And he never began to be. How do I know he didn't begin to be? Because John says that he already was when there was a beginning. 
You see, the first beginning that there ever was, the first time there was ever a beginning, he already was. He already was. First beginning, and he already was. I know that grammatically that doesn't make a lot of sense in English. That's not how we speak. That's not how we write. You know, if you wrote that for your English teacher, they'd say, oh, lots of problems here. This is exactly what John is saying. The word was before there was anything. The word was. In other words, he existed. He already had been in existence before anything came into existence. Now, this right off the bat tells us there's something about Jesus that's very different from you and I, isn't it? Because you and I, even though we can't probably remember it, there was a time when we were not, right? There was a time when you were not. There was a time when you did not exist. There was a time when you had not yet come to be. You didn't exist in any way. But that is not true of Jesus. We can't say that about him. We can't say that there was ever a time when he was not. Because he always was. And before there was even a beginning to begin, he already was. Before the first beginning. We like to celebrate the day that we came into the world, don't we? We like to celebrate, well, as time passes, we like to celebrate it less. But then at a certain point, I think we really like to celebrate it because it's like, hey, okay, we didn't, <laughs> we didn't go yet, so let's celebrate because it might be the last one, right? We like to celebrate our birthday and recognize that we had a beginning. But John, right at the beginning of his book, says, the word never came to be. He doesn't have a birthday because he never came to be. He always what? In fact, before there was such a thing as a beginning and there was such a thing as time, he already was. I'm not suggesting you try to wrap your mind around it. I'm just suggesting you believe it. Because John says that is what is true about Jesus. Now, before we go any further, I want to deal with the question that you might have here. Why is Jesus called the Word? Okay? So, I want to ask the kids first. I know you're calling on your papers, but I... But I know you're listening, and I want you to, I want you to answer this question. So think about it, um, boys and girls. Why, do we, why does John call him the Word? He's talking about Jesus. I can't prove that to you today because we're not getting that far into this chapter. We'll get to it later. But why does John call Jesus the Word? What do you think that means? Do you have any idea why he's called the Word? He's always right. Okay. Suppose that's a guess. Any of the adults have any, have any idea why is Jesus called the Word? Oh, 
why is Jesus called the Word? That's, that's a really good question. It's a really important question. Why is He called the Word? Well, let me direct your attention to a couple of different verses. Okay? I'm going to read what the Bible has to say. And I'm going to put them up here on the screen. And, and maybe Grace, maybe you could read a couple here for me. And Michael, you could read for me. Okay? And I'd like to read a couple of verses here from the Old Testament that tell us something about God. And I want you to see, I think this gives us some reason why Jesus is called the Word. The first one is in Genesis 1, 1 and 3. Grace, would you read these verses for us, please? Really? All right, Michael, how about you read it for us? That one too. Notice what Genesis 1 tells us. How did God create? You can, you can answer it. How did God create? He spoke, right? He said, let there be light. And there was light. He spoke. That's just the first one we could go through all the days of creation and see that he spoke, and he spoke, and he spoke, and he spoke, and creation came to be. Well, that's interesting. God spoke. The Word. What's significant about that? What about Psalm 33 and verse 6? Grace, you want to read one for me now? All right. How about Chloe? Would you read that for me? Notice what Psalm 33 tells us as well. How did God create? He spoke. It was His Word, right? It was the Word of the Lord that made the heavens. It was the breath of His mouth by which He created the hosts of the heavens, all of the stars He's talking about there. The Word of God was instrumental in creating the world. And then I've got a couple other verses. How about Psalm 107? 19 and 20. Michael, would you read this for me nice and loud? Now I'm going to have you read one the next verse in just a second. It says, They cried out to the Lord, and He saved them out of their distress. But how did God save them? Look at what the next verse says. Hmm. This is interesting, what the Old Testament teaches us about the Word of God. What does the Word of God do? Oops. What does the Word of God do? It creates, doesn't it? The Word of God creates. The Word of God delivers. It heals, according to this verse. And so we come to the New Testament in John 1, 1. In the beginning, before there was a beginning, the Word already was. It tells us something here. If the Word of God is what creates, it's what delivers, it's what heals, it's what saves, then the Word is an appropriate title, isn't it? To describe Jesus. He is the Word of God. So he asked that question, who is Jesus really? And you say, He is the Word of God. Oh man, you really got that one. Let's try that again. Who is Jesus really? He's the Word of God. He's the Word. He is the ultimate embodiment of the creative power, of the saving power of God. And so the second phrase then of John 1.1 points us to another truth 
about him. The first was, in the beginning, the word was. So that we could say, the word was before there was, or before anything else came to be. The word was. But the second thing he says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. Now that phrase is very important because it tells us something else about the word. And that is that the word was as a person who is separate from God the Father. Now this is an even worse grammatical construction, so I apologize for that. But it's making the point. Again, the word was. He already was. Before there was a beginning. But what was his relationship with God the Father? Well, John says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was, but he was with God. That is, he was distinct. You see, we go back to that same time when nothing had yet been made. And there we find Jesus with God the Father in a face-to-face relationship. That's actually what that word with really kind of means there. It actually could be translated towards. Some people have said that's what it should be. It should say the word was toward the Father or toward God. Well, what does that mean? It means that he was, he was distinct from God. He's a separate person from God the Father. And yet, he was in a relationship with him. A face-to-face relationship. Okay? So no matter how far back we go, there was never a time when Jesus wasn't with God. That means there's never a time when he grew closer to God or when he was ever separated from God. God the Father and God the Son have always been in complete fellowship with one another. Jesus mentions this relationship in John 17 and verse 5 when he says, And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. So Jesus goes back to this time and he remembers. You see, we can't remember back to this time. We can just imagine what it must have been like prior to the creation. But Jesus does not remember before anything was, before this world was, before anything came to be, I remember Father being with you and having glory and fellowship with you before there was anything. That's Jesus' own eyewitness testimony of this time. Before there was anything that was. So, we have Jesus commenting on that. Since Jesus has known God the Father, He can make Him known. That's what He says in Matthew eleven twenty seven. Nikita, would you read this for us? So Jesus says, the only one who knows God the Father is the Son. And no one can know God the Father except the Son reveals Him to them. Jesus points back to this and says, listen, I know the Father. I know the Father. 
In fact, I know the Father because I have always been in fellowship with the Father. I've always been close to the Father. There never was a time when I wasn't face to face with Him. I never got closer to Him or was further away from Him. I was always right there with Him, face to face, intimately fellowshipping with Him. That's what Jesus says. And so John, here in 1 John 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was before anything else came to be. And the Word was with God. The Word was as a person who was separate from God the Father. And if we stop right there, we might think, okay, now we're talking about two gods, right? I mean, before there was anything, then you've got two gods who are separate and in fellowship. But then John makes that final statement of the first one. What does he say? And the Word was God. Right? And the Word was God. This is the third principle. The Word was as a person who is one with God the Father. The Word was as a person who is one with God the Father. This is very important because this statement is about the very nature of Jesus Christ. You see, that middle statement is not about His nature as much as it's about His relationship with God the Father. But this statement is about His essential nature. This says, oh, okay, He was with the Father, but He is God. John says that the very nature of Jesus Christ, He is not the same person as God the Father, but He is of the very same nature. He is of the same stuff, you might say, as the Father. And so He is not the same person but he is of the same stuff. And this is a part of the mystery that we call the Trinity. Right? Boys and girls, I want to ask you, because you guys can think of this. Have you ever heard, has anybody ever talked to you about the Trinity before? You've heard about the Trinity? Kind of? Sort of? Maybe? A little bit? You heard about the Trinity before? Grace, have you ever, have you ever heard about the Trinity in Sunday school? Michael, you ever heard about the Trinity in Sunday school? I don't think so. We teach about the Trinity. If we teach about the Trinity, it's a difficult thing for us to teach, isn't it? The reason it's a difficult thing for us to teach is it's a difficult thing for us to understand. It's something that's very that stretches uh, stretches beyond the reach of our minds. It does. This truth that John is telling us, he says, "Listen." Before there was anything, the Word was. He already was. So He's already existed before there was anything to exist. And, in that time when He was existing, before there anything else was, before there was any creation, the Word was, and He was with God. He was in fellowship. He was in a face-to-face relationship with God. But more than that, He was God. The Word was, as a person who is one with God the Father. They're they're very simple and direct statements. Let me offer them to you in a slightly differently worded way. This is what John is saying in these three statements. The Word has always been. I hope this fits because this isn't looking the same. The Word has always been. 
The Word has always been with God. The Word has always been one with God. That's what John is saying to us. The Word has always been. Jesus Christ has always been. Jesus Christ has always been with God. And Jesus Christ has always been one with God. Those three truths are all found in this verse. Jesus is equal with God the Father. And He's always been equal with God the Father. This means that we ought to worship Jesus the same way that we ought to worship God the Father. That's important right here. And this is probably the first application that we need to make of this, of this verse. If it is true that Jesus, the Word, has always been, if it is true that He has always been with God, and if it is true that He has always been one with God, then first and foremost, we ought to worship the Word as God. We ought to worship Him. In other words, we ought to hold Him up to esteem Him. We ought to value Him. That's what worship really means. It means to, to put Him in the primary place of value in our hearts and our minds. And so we ought to worship Jesus Christ as God. But I would go even further than that. And this is a really, kind of, this is a really good thing for you to hear and understand. When you worship Jesus... You are worshiping God. Now, I know that doesn't sound like a radically transformative statement, but but think about it for a second. You don't have to go out of your way to worship God if you worship Jesus. Because by worshiping Jesus, you are worshiping God. We understand that Jesus is a distinct person. That's what John told us in this verse. He is a person separate, a distinct person from God the Father. But when we worship Jesus, we are worshiping God the Father. The people have tried to think about ways to illustrate this. How could John, you know, to to try to illustrate how this, this thing works, how the Trinity works, How John could say that the Word was with God and the Word was God at the same time. We don't normally talk this way. But when we try to explain it, we usually end up just making it more confusing. There's lots of different illustrations people use to try to explain this idea of the doctrine of the Trinity. They they talk about water being in three forms. And they talk about three-leaf clovers. really get messed up if you find a four-leaf clover. Then you're really in trouble. Um... You know, three states of matter, there's actually like eight states of matter, but that's the three common states of matter uh, that they use. Uh, three parts of an egg. I've heard lots of different illustrations. Um, the truth is, all of them, all of them miss it. Every single one of those illustrations completely misses key elements of the doctrine of the Trinity. And I think they're all less than helpful. I think they're probably, in many cases, harmful. Because they give us a wrong idea of what this is all about. When we try to explain it, when we try to illustrate it, we usually end up just making it more confusing. Or we end up teaching something that's not exactly true. Okay. Like we teach that, that, that there are actually three gods. You know, I mean, we may not say it that way, but some of those illustrations are actually teaching that there are three distinct gods. That each one is separate. 
And some of them were teaching that God is that, that, that God can be broken up into parts, that the Father represents one part of God, and the Son represents one part of God, and the Spirit represents one part of God. And that's another error as well. Truth is, when we try to explain it, when we try to bring it down, when we try to, to make it something that's accessible and easy and simple to understand and give a simple illustration, it doesn't work, and the reason for that reason for that is because we're trying to take the most profound truth about the fundamental nature of the transcendent God and we're trying to turn it into some object that we can hold in our hand. I don't think it works. We're better off doing what John does. Because in verse 2, John repeats this truth. He says, of this person, this one that I'm talking about, the Word, he was in the beginning with God. John repeats it. He was a distinct person, and yet he is God in very essence. The challenge that we have today is not to understand it completely. It's to believe it, just as John said. Who is Jesus really? Who is Jesus really? What's the answer? What do we say? Who is Jesus really? All right, let's try this again. Who is Jesus really? Jesus is the Word of God. Jesus is the Word of God. If we want to unpack that a little bit, based on what John said, we could say it this way. Jesus is the eternally existing, divine yet distinct Word of God. Now what's the point? Why do we need to know this? What good does this do? Well, John tells us in John chapter 20, in verse 31... John tells us the point here. John chapter 20 and verse 31. He says that he wrote these things so that we would believe that Jesus truly is the Son of God. He wrote them so we believe. And that by believing on him, we would receive life through his name. That's really what we face this morning. That's the challenge before us. Challenge is not to understand the Trinity or to understand how Jesus could be with God and be God at the same time. You've not been given the assignment to understand that in great detail. You've not been given the assignment, the instruction to be able to explain that so that a little child can understand it. That's not been assigned to you to do. You're given the truths of John 1, 1 and 2 so that you will believe that Jesus is who He said He is. He is the Word of God. Sometimes we complicate things because we demand to be able to fully explain them before we'll accept it. But when we demand to be able to fully explain or understand God, 
You know, the supreme, all-wise creator who rules over the universe that he made. Aren't we expecting a little bit too much of our own minds? I think that's really the problem that we run into sometimes with things like this. We read what John writes, and John just presents it in such a simple and direct way. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. John just says it so simply. And yet the truth is so challenging to our thinking. We set ourselves up, and especially the power of our own reason, our own intellect, as being the authority. And so instead of just believing that Jesus is the Word of God, who has always existed, distinct from the Father, and yet one with the Father, we become the arbiter of truth, the judge of truth. And we take God off of His throne. And we become the supreme. That's not worship. That's not worship. Worship of God means He is on the throne. It means, you know what, God, I don't have to understand this completely, but I believe it because Your Word says it's true. This is who Jesus is. And those of you who know me well know that I do not believe that we have to set aside our minds or turn off our brains in order to be Christians. That's exactly the opposite is true. But I am willing to acknowledge that there are things about God which are beyond the reach of our minds to understand and explain. In fact, I think there must be things about God that are like that, if He truly is God. And so I'm not suggesting that we stop trying to understand, or we stop thinking about or studying these things. I've spent a lot of time this week studying John 1.1. I've spent a lot of time on this. So I'm not suggesting that we just check our minds and say, okay, fine, we're going to come in here and just drink the Kool-Aid and believe whatever, whatever we're told without asking any questions. It's not it. Okay? But we must believe the truth. That's really what it comes down to. It's not about mindless faith. We believe what the Word of God says. Because it's true. And so we need to start this morning with that. If you want to understand who Jesus is, and you want to understand all that Jesus has done, then you have to start by believing the most basic truth about Him. And to be honest, when, when the most basic truth about Jesus is as challenging and profound as this, and we say this is the elementary level, this is what John starts with in verse 1 of his book. If we're going to understand who Jesus is, we're going to have to believe. We're going to have to worship Him as God. So will you believe Will you believe that Jesus is the Word of God who has always been? Will you believe that Jesus is the Word of God who has always been with God the Father? And will you believe that Jesus is the Word of God who has always been one with the Father? 
These are the truths that are presented. We believe and we worship Him as God. Let's close with prayer.